Welcome back to the podcast, Finding My Fit. I'm Athena, your host, and I hope you're ready for another amazing episode. Finding My Fit is your go-to podcast for health, fitness, self-love, and eating disorder recovery. I'm here to bring you up-to-date, scientifically researched evidence, all about health, fitness, and nutrition, as well as helping you learn to love yourself and spreading positivity. If you're enjoying my podcast, I would love for you to leave me a five-star review over on iTunes. If you're interested in health, fitness, or eating disorder recovery coaching, please head over to my website, finding-my-fit.com. Let's get on into the episode. Hi everybody and welcome back to the podcast Finding My Fit. Today I am joined by a lovely woman called Nina who is a coach that inspires women to tackle their struggles around food and body image. She focuses on everything, not just the physical side of things but also on the psychology and the mindset and she really challenges people to change and switch up that negative self-talk into one of positive self-talk so that women can really learn to love the body that they are in without trying to look for quick fixes and quick diets to fix things and instead focusing on the long-term sustainable methods. Without further ado, let's head on into the episode. So hi everybody and welcome back to the podcast Finding My Fit. Today I'm joined by Nina who is a coach who helps women tackle their struggles around food and their bodies. She focuses on not only the food and physical aspects, but also on the psychology and the mindset. And she takes a practical and realistic approach to her coaching to help women regain their energy, body and life. So Nina, if you could please tell my audience a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. And what I do is help women create body peace because so many women are in a war with their food and body. They're treating their body like it was the enemy. I just have to control you. I just have to manage you. They treat their food like it was the enemy. Oh, I can't believe I ate that. I wish I hadn't eat that, eaten that. I can't believe, you know, I want that again. I shouldn't want that. There's so much struggle often in the relationship with food and body that it doesn't feel fun doesn't feel pleasurable. It feels like a chore and it often feels like we're not getting it right. And so from that, I was like, that doesn't feel very good. And so what I do is help women end that war and create a relationship with their body that feels positive, that feels respectful, that feels like they're in partnership or an ally with their body. And it also invites them to listen to their incredible body wisdom because we all have this incredible depth of knowing in our body, but we're busy trying to tell her how she should be. And that's painful. I love everything that you've just said there. I feel like in society, especially very recently, food has become kind of like the enemy and I don't know where this idea has come from and why it has developed, but food should be fun and it should be something that we're not feeling guilty or worried about. And instead, we are kind of brought up in this society that deems certain foods as bad and certain foods as good. And it's really, it's just not a healthy way to view food. So have you always been 
interested and passionate in this kind of subject and have you always known you wanted to be a coach? So I have been passionate about working with women and their relationship with their body for about 30 years. So I started as a body worker, a massage therapist, and I worked with women, you know, every day with my hands on their bodies. And what I felt, what I heard was women's body stories, literally the story of their life. If we think about it, our body is the book of our life. We go through life and we have, you know, an experience of, adolescence, we have an experience of young adulthood, we have an experience possibly of getting pregnant or miscarrying or having an abortion or having a baby, right? All of these different things that happen to us in the development of being a woman, we get our period, we go through menopause, there's so much and all of that experience is written in the book of our body. And so when I was working with women with my hands on their body, I would hear their stories and their trauma and how they felt about their body. And often it was, I don't feel good in my own skin. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like it should be different. That work led me to become a therapist because I really wanted to work with women with their relationship with their body. And so I started doing body-centered psychotherapy. I went back, I got my master's, but I was struggling with food. I was still feeling like food was the enemy. And that if I just went on another diet, if I just, you know, didn't eat this or did eat this or tried this cleanse or this diet, then I would finally get the body, that idealized body that our diet culture tells us that we want, and then I would be happy. And I'd struggled with that for years. And finally, I was like, this is ridiculous. I even went and became, you know, a health coach. I studied nutrition. And I was like, wait a second. All of these things belong together, right? My body and my food are not separate. And how I feel and my emotions and my body story are not in a whole other separate section. How we feel about our body is impacted about how we eat and what we're told we should or shouldn't eat and how our culture tells us that we should have this certain thin body in order to feel, to deserve love, to be worthy of being powerful. And that's not true. And so the work from becoming a therapist and then becoming a health coach led me into bringing those together to dive deeply into the psychology of eating. Why do we eat? What's going on when we eat? What's our relationship to our food? Food is supposed to, as you said, be fun and pleasurable. It's life affirming when we eat. It's saying, I want to be alive. I want to enjoy life. So then we get to this place of like, I was like, all right, so great. I want to be enjoying my food and my life, but how do I do that, right? So that's when I got deeply into the psychology of eating and body trust work and creating this whole body of work that I call body peace work. And that work is so powerful because what it does is stop the oh, I should be different than I am conversation that always undermines our sense of worthiness and our sense of enoughness and our sense of just feeling like we are entitled to eat and enjoy and feel good in our body. And our body doesn't always have to be a DIY project, right? So many women that I've talked to use food and even fitness 
as a way to manage their body as though they were a project. There was something wrong and I need to fix this body. And that's not true. We can be in this place of deep trust and care and compassion with our body so that we can be in that place of trusting and listening to what she has to say. So it was that journey from just being aware that women were struggling in their bodies and really relating to it that became both a personal journey and a professional journey for me. Wow, you have such an interesting story and it really sounds like you know your stuff and you are clearly very qualified to do what you do, having been, you know, a therapist in the past and now becoming a coach and really, like you said, integrating both personal experiences with professional experiences. And I think the psychology of eating is so, so interesting. And like you said, we're 100% entitled to eat, yet many of us don't feel like we can eat certain foods or we feel guilty for eating certain foods. And it's really, it's such an interesting concept. You mentioned that at the start of your kind of career, you could feel people's trauma in their bodies. Do you think that we hold trauma in terms of psychological and mental concerns? Do you feel like we hold that physically in our bodies? I do. I absolutely do. Our body like holds onto it until we can really process it and, and allow there to be space for our story to be heard, to allow our shame to be brought into the light so that we're not carrying the sense of there's something wrong with me. And it's not like once we do trauma work, poof, and then suddenly it's, you know, we never get triggered or nothing ever bothers us, but it's not the driving force in our body. It's not the driving shame or the driving sort of collapsed um, posture. What we want is to really be nourishing ourselves from a very, very deep level. And if that means healing trauma, if that means becoming more emotionally literate, knowing how we feel about things, being able to speak about our feelings, if it means about nourishing ourselves, like what kind of movement makes me truly joyful? Not that I have to go to the gym and have to get on a treadmill for a certain amount of time, but what really nourishes me from a very deep level. That's one of the primary branches of this work is coming from a nourishment model, an additive model versus then, oh, I shouldn't do that. And I shouldn't do that. And I shouldn't be upset. And I shouldn't feel that way. And I shouldn't react that way. What do we need to support ourselves is really the direction we want to be going in. Yes, that is so, so well said. And there is a mind-body connection. And it's like, for example, when we're stressed, we find that we're thinking about something that is stressing us out. So our hearts start beating, our palms are sweating, our bodies are tensing up. And there really is that very strong connection between the thoughts and the feelings that we have to our physical manifestation. And I really love that you said it's about adding things. It's about the additive side of things versus what you shouldn't be doing or what you shouldn't have. So could you delve a little bit more into body piece work and a little more about how you help somebody who has bad body image? Yeah. 
So body peace work is really the process of shifting the relationship with our body, right? So as I, we talked about in the beginning, it's that shift from being in the war to being in an authentic and caring relationship. So when we're practicing and body peace, it's not like, oh, I'll lose this amount of weight. And when I get there, ta-da, I have reached the goal. It's not that. It's more like how we think about learning an instrument. We practice, right? We practice. So we practice body peace. And when we practice body peace, we're listening to our body, right? We're bringing curiosity to the language of our body. How does our body speak? Our body speaks in sensation. Our body speaks in how we feel. And often we're trying to ignore, right? Oh, I'm tired. Let me have some coffee and chocolate, right? We're trying to ignore our, the language that our body speaks, or we ignore, I'm not tired, right? Or I'm not hungry, or I don't even need to go pee, right? We ignore so much. So body peace practice is when we bring curiosity to the language of our body. We're listening to those sensations. We're honoring the journey that our body has traveled, right? That body story, where has our body been? What's happened here? We also respond to the deep needs and desires of our body. We nourish ourselves well, and we cultivate kindness and caring towards ourselves. You know, fundamentally body peace is about treating our body like someone we care about and someone with whom we want to deepen our relationship with. We want to deepen that relationship. We want it to be a very rich, um, nourishing, supportive relationship where we're like, so body, what do you need right now, right? Instead of, oh, you're hungry. Uh, I don't have anything here. Here's an energy bar. We're going to just keep going, right? There's not a lot of pleasure there. There's not a lot of, there's a little bit of listening. So that's what, um, body peace really fundamentally is. It's a practice that helps us be in a positive, authentic, caring relationship with our body. And you asked some other second part of the question that I, of course, don't remember now. Oh, it was kind of, how would you go about helping somebody who has a bad body image? So one of the first things we do is listen out for what I call the mean mirror voice. We want to notice because it almost seems automatic when we're feeling bad about our body. There's this voice that's nonstop. Oh, I can't believe my belly. Oh, my thighs. Oh, my, my arms, the flab on my arms, whatever the body part is that we're criticizing. It's like this nonstop narration of criticism. And we don't even know it, notice it after a while. We just think that's the way it is. That's how I feel about my body. That's the truth. That's how, you know, it is for women. And we just have to work harder. Right? So the first thing we want to do in shifting that is go, wait a second, what is that voice saying? And where did that voice come from? Who said that? Right? Because we, can, we make it about problem is our body, but we need to actually zoom out and go, wait a second here. The, the problem here is farther out in what we were told that a woman's body should look like. What we were told was an acceptable weight. What we were told was, you know, fashionable. And when we really zoom out, we hear those voices come from the media, from social media, from movies. Um, we also hear it come sometimes from family members who are critical. 
Sometimes we hear it from friends and adolescents or athletic coaches who are like, you know, get tougher, get thinner. Those voices, those messages of criticism often come from outside of us. And we first have to unpack it and go, wait a second, where did this come from? So that we can see that that, that our body is not the problem. It's the, what we've been told and about the attitude we have towards our body. So we want to start unpacking diet culture. We want to start divesting from all those messages that we got that we weren't good enough. Because the response that we have to all that criticism is, I don't, I, I don't know, it feels bad. So it must be my problem. It must be my body's problem. And we dump it on ourselves. And that is painful and really abusive. In fact, I have a client when we were unpacking the kind of relationship she had had with her body for the 20 years before we talked, she said, wow, when I really think about it, I was in an abusive relationship with my body. I would never treat anyone else the way that I've treated my body. I would never say the things that I say to my body in the mirror to anyone else. Right? So we need to start at this place of awareness, of noticing like, whoa, this is critical, and seeing how we've been going around the diet cycle, right? That cycle of, oh, I'm going to have this new promise, this new diet, and yay, I'm doing it. And then, oh, I can't stick to it. Oh, well, tomorrow I'll start again. But then it doesn't work. And then I hate my body. What's wrong with me? I can't get my food under control. I have a real problem. Let me find a new diet and around and around. So we need to start really seeing the current relationship we're in with our body and food so that we can start to go, wait a second, this is not the relationship I want with my, I deserve something better. I deserve body peace. Such amazing words there. And just going back to what you said at the very start, we're all, me included, guilty of not listening to our bodies and not honoring our bodies. You know, we think, oh, I'm hungry, but I don't want to eat anything right now. So we're just ignoring those natural signals that our body is sending to us. And it's so automatic for us to put ourselves down or downplay our achievements and our qualities. And I'm not really sure where this has come from. It's like somebody gives us a compliment someone saying, oh, I love that dress that you're wearing. And we'll go, oh, it was only cheap. Or, you know, like something, mm-hmm. we just downplay everything. Yes. Even if it's something as, you know, simple as the clothing we're wearing. And what I'm trying to do in terms of tackling um, that kind of negative self-talk that I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing out there and me included, I'm trying to say at least three positive affirmations to myself every single day to shift my mindset from negative to positive because really it is the thoughts that we have that create our reality so it's really just about switching that negative self-talk to positive self-talk do you think that we as a society are moving away from the idea of the ideal body or like a one size fits all kind of thing because it used to be you know back in the 50s it was oh 
a curvy body shape on a woman was idolized and then it moved into a very slim body shape was idolized and do you think now we're moving a lot more towards everybody is different and there isn't that one body shape that is perfect so um that is my hope i am seeing that a little bit more body diversity which is so important um one thing I want to reel back to that you said about the affirmations and, and thinking positively and, you know, where does this idea of diminishing ourselves and devaluing ourselves come from? Um, I really believe that um, affirmations and thinking positively is absolutely important. I literally tried this for 10 years. I would look in the mirror and say, I love my body, but inside it was like, no, that's not true. And that I think that there's, for some people, skipping right into affirmations and positive thinking is fantastic. But for many people, it's too big a leap. It's, um, I often say, like when people say, well, I just should just love my body, that often that's too big a leap when we're in body shame or body hate. And that in order to get even to body peace, never mind body love, we need to develop self-compassion that self-compassion is the peace that is um, that allows us to soften the relationship with our body, that allows us to soften the words we say to ourselves. And one of the ways that looks is when we're being critical to ourselves is, you know, as simple as putting our hand on our heart or taking a breath and saying, of course, I understand why you would be so critical. It's what you learned from the culture right? We learned that a woman only had value if she was, you know, a size two. We learned that, you know, a woman shouldn't be powerful, right? We're unlearning those things. It's so important to unlearn, but those are messages that came, that have come from diet culture, that have come from a patriarchal society, that have come from misogyny, which is your value is only your appearance, right? And we diminish ourselves. We don't receive the compliment when someone says, oh, I really like your, how you look today, or I like your dress, or wow, I see you being really powerful. Oh, no, no, no. We diminish because somehow there's some fear if we really stepped into our power, if we really saw ourselves with the magnificence that we truly are, then what? right? There's a fear in there. Then I'll get torn down, right? It's what we've seen in our culture many times. Powerful women get torn down. And so part of reclaiming our body, part of reclaiming body peace, and even stepping into body love is being incredibly compassionate with ourselves. Oh, I truly understand where you're coming from, right? I get where it's, this is hard. It feels hard to be seen, or it feels hard to be, feel like I'm shining? Am I going to diminish somebody else if I'm truly being my most powerful self? There's a lot of different messages that keep women small. And the culture is saying, oh, the only way you can be powerful is if you stay small. But really, we can be all sizes, and we can be as powerful as we want to be. And a powerful stepping stone into that is that sense of self-compassion treat talking to talking to yourself in the way that you would talk to a very dear and special friend with kindness with caring yes I love that 
I definitely agree that you can't just jump straight into positive affirmations. And I feel like you need to be in a certain place with your mindset and your body to actually use them properly because you can't just kind of stand in the mirror and say, oh, I am beautiful. And then that's it. Suddenly you love yourself. You need <laughs> to kind of, you need to believe it. And yeah, to believe what you're saying, you do need to be in a certain mindset. I feel like you need to already be on the journey of self-love. Yeah, like you said, some people aren't in that place right now. They're not ready to start saying positive affirmations and loving themselves. And there's so much that goes into it. It's a very complex uh, process. It helps to have community, right? To have community. It's one, one of the reasons that I work in with women in community, in groups, right? I have the body peace seekers and the body peace keepers. And it's that community of people that reflect back to one another, that hold your perfect magnificence for you until you can hold it yourself. I love that. Yeah. It's like building that community of people that are going to raise you up. And yes, because sometimes we do need that reassurance, you know, it's all right telling ourselves positive things, but if we don't believe it, Mm -hmm. sometimes if other people tell us these things, we might actually start to believe it. So you work with clients on three levels. There's food and body, psychology and mindset and practical and realistic. Can you please explain these in a little more detail? Yeah. So I think of them as the nourishment dynamic, right? It all works together. So because when I was really trying to heal my relationship with food and body, I did every diet under the sun. I did all the nutrition and all the, ate all the superfoods and did all the, you know, right things, but that didn't really impact my relationship with my food and body. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do therapy, lots of therapy and really worked on my internal belief systems and my family background and really dove deep. I was like, great, but that hasn't affected my relationship with my food and body, right? Okay, I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to start moving more and I'm going to make a less stressful lifestyle, right? Got really deep into changing my lifestyle, but not really didn't affect my relationship with my food and body. And then I was like, you know what? These all need to work together because our relationship with our food and body is all of those things. It's how we feel. It's how we go grocery shopping or if our fridge is full of food that we can eat right away. It's about, you know, what works for our body in terms of nourishment and what doesn't, what does our, what makes our body feel good and what doesn't. So we need to work with the dynamic of the emotional, the food and the lifestyle in order to really make that sustainable long-term shift into feeling at home in our body and feeling like we're not just getting on the next diet. Oh, that didn't work. Get on the next diet. Oh, that didn't work. We want a way of being in our body that is long lasting. I absolutely love that. I love that you mentioned the word sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's long-term, it's a lifestyle choice and not a quick fix. And I think that's, I think that's a a mistake that a lot of people do make when, when they want to go on this, either this diet to change their body or this journey of self-love, they're looking for the quick fixes instead of focusing on what they can put into place for the long term and you know forever because our relationship with our bodies and 
the way we think about ourselves is it's something that we always need to be working on I think I don't think anybody is ever going to be you know there's never going to be that one answer that helps every single person it's really a work in progress for many people and it's a long-term work in progress it is it's as I said it's a practice right it's not a quick fix and it's also important that compassion for ourselves when we want the quick fix because the quick fix says I'm in pain I'm struggling Right when we start looking for the new diet, ooh, maybe that'll do it. And then by the summer, I will fit into this and or that. And then I'll, you know, that desire for the quick fix is like a, it's like an alert signal on our car, right? It's like a flashing red light that's like, I'm struggling, I'm in pain, I'm uncomfortable, I'm in body management, and so that's when we can bring in the compassion. Go, well, of course, right? We have a culture that tells us you have to be different than you are, and you know, some people say, but I do want to be different, right? But, but hating ourselves into being different has never really worked. It's not, a, it's not a method that's that effective, right? Let me hate myself until I love myself. That doesn't work, right? All of us who have, you know, been chronic dieters have tried that. What we want is to really create a positive relationship with our body as she is. And from there, and research has borne this out, from there, we can develop a kind and compassionate and caring and loving relationship with ourselves. And we then treat ourselves better. Then we are able to listen from a more intuitive, connected place of what would support me, right? It's much easier to care for somebody or something that you truly love than something or somebody that you don't like at all right? The flow of energy and giving happens much more easily when you're like, I care about you like you would a puppy, right? Or a baby. You'd be like, oh, what do they need? What can I do? What would support them best, right? But if it's like, I don't know, some, you know, old chair that's falling apart and you're like, I hate it. I wish it was better. Well, you know, hating it, we're not going to do anything about it. Versus if it was some old chair that you're like, I love this chair. Hmm, maybe, I'll, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can get a, you know, an extra piece of wood and support it this way. So coming from that position of compassion and kindness opens the door for long-term change. Coming from that posture of I hate my body and I'm so ashamed opens the door to more quick fix dieting and more diet cycle and more disordered eating. Hating yourself into something different doesn't work. I really love that you said that because that is so, so true. And we shouldn't be wanting to change something about ourselves from a place of hate. It should be, we love ourselves as we are, but what can we do to improve or make some small changes? And it really is about that self-love throughout the journey not just loving yourself when you get to the goal. Yes, because I've worked with countless women who have at some point in their life said, I did the diet, I got there, I lost the weight, and then I still felt bad about myself. And so really, it's again, back to the nourishment dynamic. It's not just about the food and body, right? It's also about how do we feel about ourselves? What's the conversation we're saying? What are we saying to ourselves? What's the conversation? Yeah, exactly right. 
before we go, you mentioned, is it correct that you write poems? I do write poems and I write body poems. And the reason I started writing poems is I felt that I always talk about the relationship we have with our body. And in many realms of relationship coaching, they always talk about the language of relationship or the language of love. And I realized there was no words or language for our relationship with our body and that we were really lacking in that one. We were lacking in a way to, um, to find words to express our internal experience. And the body poems are a way to find um, a new way of speaking to ourselves, a new way of, of being with uh, the relationship, really like finding that connection with ourselves in a loving way, in a supportive way. And we really want to find a different way of speaking to ourselves that isn't all critical. Um, and so I started writing poems about our relationship with our body. And um, I would love to read one if you would like to hear it. Yeah, of course. I was just thinking about which one to, to uh, offer up. And I think this one might be, might resonate. It's um, called Kindness Showed Up on My Plate. And this is, I'm, I'm reading this one because we talked about compassion really being a doorway into this work, a doorway into a different relationship with ourselves. Kindness showed up on my plate. Somewhere early on in my eating journey, I invited meanness to my table. I put judgment on my plate at the end of every meal. I put should've, would've, could've on every forkful of food. And every night before I went to bed, I fed myself, I fed myself a few bites of shame and repentant plans for tomorrow. All of it tasted so bitter, but I felt I deserved it. I felt that unless my body was small, smaller, smallest, my bites should also be small measured, restricted. But my bites were not. I ingested and digested heaps of body hate until it made my tummy ache with sorrow and longing. I longed for delight at the table, ease in my belly and self-kindness. So I started to add in. Add in small bites of understanding, compassion, deep body listening. And the more I added in, the more I helped myself to mounds of pleasure drenched with tenderness, the more I made time to sit at my table with my feelings and let my body speak her story. Then, and only then did kindness show up. Kindness showed up at the table. Hatred was no longer on the menu. Sometimes shame still ends up on my plate, but I know it doesn't agree with me. So I politely say, no, thank you, and ask for more compassion. Wow. Honestly, those words are just beautiful. And I'm sure that many of the listeners can resonate with 
everything that is in that poem. I know for sure I definitely can. And I feel like the words are so, like you've put them in such a way that it's really inspiring. And thank you so much for sharing that. Is there a place that people can go to to read more of your poems? Like, do you have a a blog or a website? I do. So my website is Nina Man Olson, M-A-N-O-L-S-O-N.com. So it's ninamanelson.com and there's some fun freebies there. And if you want to go straight to the body poems, it's ninamanelson.com forward slash body dash poems. Oh, wow. Thank you. And I'm sure that people are definitely going to head over and read some more of your poems. So thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast today. Is there a particular place that people can find you if they want to contact you? Like, do you have um, social media or is it your website that they should head to? Well, I'm in a lot of places. I am on Instagram at Nina Mandelson. I'm on Facebook at Nina Mandelson. Uh, I have a free Facebook group called the Nourished Woman Nation that you're very welcome to join me there. Um, I'm also on TikTok at Nina Mandelson. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Nina Mandelson Body Piece. So pretty much if you look up Nina Mandelson, you're going to find me. (laughs) And I look forward (laughs) to um, connecting with you in whatever way really feels most supportive. I also have a phenomenal group called the Body Peace Seekers, which is a just a precious group of amazing women who are on this journey to feel good in their own skin lots of different places that people can find you i'm going to link your website in the show notes so people can head over there get some more information and read some more of your poems thank you so much nina it's been an absolute pleasure thank you So that is the end of this episode. I will link Nina's website in the show notes if you want any more info about her coaching or if you want to read any more of her beautiful poems. I really hope this one resonated with some of you and you've walked away feeling ready to tackle and fight any negative self-talk and negative body image that you have. If you want to check out my Instagram, Finding My Fit Podcast, if you want any of my health, nutrition or eating disorder recovery coaching, there's more info about that on my website or you could just drop me a DM over on Instagram and I can answer any questions you might have. Thank you for listening and I'll see you guys in the next one.